Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you so much for listening. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go to TravelTalesPodcast.com and check out uh, photos of our guests, articles that I've written and some of the other guests have written. See photos of our guests, see the links to their various websites, and also see the links to our websites. And that is, of course, our Facebook page, Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook. Our Instagram page, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. We're on Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There are links to Stitcher Radio and to iTunes. Click on it. Go to our iTunes page. Subscribe. It's free. And if you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating? That's cool. It boosts our presence, helps people find the show, and that's always a good thing. So please go there, check it out, like us, friend us, say a few nice things. Always appreciate it. All right, I am back from my four weeks in Europe, and I can tell you it was a fantastic trip. Met a lot of cool new friends, had fun with old friends, saw a lot of new things, ate a lot of good food. To recap the trip, I started off in Copenhagen with three other friends. Four days in Copenhagen, my one friend Dara went back to London after a couple days she spent with us, and then three of us went to Oslo, where I stayed with my good friend Terrier. A lot of fun in Oslo, such a beautiful city. From there, one guy went home, two of us went on to Stockholm, where I recorded this podcast episode. After Stockholm, I was solo, went down to Riga, Latvia for a few days, then over to Tallinn, Estonia. On to Helsinki for a few days, and then to Spain for a week. Southern Spain, Malaga, Sevilla, or Seville, as we say in America. Checked out Marbella for a day, and Madrid for a day. Then home. Four weeks. And people say, oh, will you travel for four weeks? Were you exhausted? Not really. It's not like I was traveling in the third world. I was traveling in the first world, especially in Scandinavia. Uh, I'm not used to traveling in countries that have a higher standard of living than the U.S. This is much different than uh, going through India on the back of a rickety old bus or backpacking through Vietnam. You know, these countries, especially Denmark, Sweden, Norway, have a higher standard of living than the U.S. It's cleaner. It's safer. It basically made me feel like when I got back to L.A. that I live in a decaying toilet (laughs) full of homeless and violence, which is not totally true, but is a little bit. So my guest for this podcast is Lucas Cardholm, who was our host uh, outside of Stockholm, Sweden. He lived uh, in a suburb, basically, of Stockholm. Lucas is a distant cousin of Jim Newman, who's a friend of J. Keith Van Stratton, who I was traveling with in Stockholm. And Lucas was kind enough to open his doors and let us stay in his house. He's uh, married, he's got a daughter, and they were fantastic hosts. J. Keith took off her home, and uh, I stayed an extra day before I went to Riga. And before Lucas was nice enough to take me to the airport, I got him to sit down for an interview and talk to him about uh, Sweden, living in Sweden, 
We talked about America, what it's like to see America from his point of view. We talked about where Europe is headed, where Sweden is headed. Conversations like these are one of the things I really, really love about traveling. I learned a lot, and I wouldn't have learned it had I not gone to the place, talked to the people, and it just makes the world a smaller place. And I made a new friend halfway around the world. I learned about his country. I learned a little about my country. I learned to drink aquavit. I had a traditional Swedish crayfish supper. I went to the ABBA Museum. (laughs) And I got to spend some quality time with a great family. So please enjoy my conversation with my new pal from Sweden, Lucas Cardholm. I want to thank you for your uh, amazing hospitality since I've been here. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been fantastic. Um, so I met you through my friend Jay Keith Van Stratton, who's friends with Jim Newman back in L.A., who is a distant cousin of yours. Is that exactly. It? Okay. So give me your age and what is your profession? 45 suit. Suit? Yes. It's, uh... <laughs> Anything corporate. Right. But it's in some kind of like a, it's an industrial kind of. Yes. It's a company that uh, designs, uh, commissions and operates uh, mission critical functions for hospitals and data centers and uh, nuclear power plants. So how has your experience been having two uh, strange Americans stay in your lovely home? Oh, it's been a pleasure, really. (laughs) They have been easygoing and not so hard to entertain. How long have you lived in... In Sweden, I mean, your entire life, or you, but you lived abroad for a little bit, didn't you? No, well, I worked abroad, so I, worked I, I was abroad. based in London for a year and a half. Okay. But basically living on an airport then. Yes. And I see that your daughter is 18. She's yep. got a year left of high school, and she wants desperately to move to, to LA. Los Angeles. Yes. Okay. And you couldn't convince her otherwise? No. Anything? <laughs> I, well, of course. I told her university and all that mm-hmm. here in Sweden, and anything I said, she has to do something else. Well, this is fascinating to most Americans that uh, this, the university here is all paid for. Yes, right? it's well, it's free to attend, and you get a grant from the government, and you, if you want to, you also get a loan from the government that is paid back during your life, and it sort of depends on how much income you have. So, if you have a low income, you pay a little back, and then as you earn more, you pay back more fastly. But it has to be paid back until you're 60 or something. But there are a number of of private universities as well, right? Or are there? Yes, but none of them that you would pay your way into. Oh, really? No. So where do the elite of uh, Sweden... They go to INSEAD or Harvard or Princeton. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And of course, you do have like... um, You can buy your MBA um, at the Stockholm University per se is free, but you can buy an, um, an MBA uh, seat in their executive school. So even if you are not, uh, you know, uh, academically uh, the right person to attend, you can buy your way in through that. So that's also something you can do. Now, is there a percentage that they say that uh, Swedish children all go to university? Is it, is it more than 80%? Um, I don't know the percentage. The statistics are out there. <laughs> I'm sure the internet has it. But in terms of educated yeah. uh, populace... Yeah, yes. Relatively, relatively high, high education, up. yes. And high school is... You have two different lines of education there. You can go for university prep, if you like, or 
um, more uh, to be a, a practical to learn a, a profession. Mm-hmm. And most people, th- there's a strong majority going to the university prep, even though some of them don't go to university, at least they have the ability to do so later on in life. Okay. Um, does it anger you that most Americans don't know the difference between Sweden, Norway and uh, Denmark? Not at all. How, how many Swedes know the difference between North and South Dakota or Montana? That's true. Or can point it out in a map. So. I, I'm willing to bet more than Americans know. All oh, right. Fair, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but you've traveled extens- extensively through the States, it seems. Uh, you, you've been around a bit. Yes, a bit. Still a lot of sea, but we've been to, well, New York uh, a couple of times, Florida, Chicago, um, Arizona, and California. Um, that's the part. Yeah, I've been to Seattle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we've been to Canada. If we count that as North America, well, I'll, at least I'll count. North America. Yeah. So, in terms of what, from from someone who's grown up in Europe and lived here your whole life, mm. when you know, the American culture tends to be so dominant over a lot of things, mm. and and you know a lot about it, what was describe your first trip there and how it. Was it different than what you yeah. thought it would be, or I would say the the well over the years, I would say that that what has struck me that isn't so clear when you as an outsider haven't been there is the level of uh, diversity I would say because we more get the uh, mainstream standard shows if you like so yeah. you so you get that California sunny um, <laughs> yeah. TV show or cops. Uh, but, yeah, well, there's, exactly. there's diversity. Yeah, yeah, but the the that it really is a continent. I mean, sure, it's a country, but it's uh, with it's three, huge. Yeah, yeah, with three time zones and all that. So the the diversity, I would say, is. But also in the small, regardless of where we've been, you you have the extremes of um, right wing or left wing, if you like, and people love to just debate and argue and never give up. That's a big difference <laughs> uh, compared to here, where where we're a bit more. Um, uh, less keen to to argue, uh, we just consider the other one is a stupid person and ignore them. But in the U.S., you try to convince the other all the time. Yes, it's, it's, but is also that a uh, a byproduct of the of your political system being pretty stable throughout? Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could be absolutely. Um, is that wasn't there one I, party that ruled for about six? Oh yes, yes. Here in in Sweden, we had more or less the same party for sixty years, and then short breaks with with the opposition. Typically during a recession, the opposition stepped in, couldn't fix it in two years and were kicked out again. <laughs> so uh, it's, yes, it's been very, um, in, in US terms, um, semi-communist, but really left-wing and stable. Hence the, you know, the, the classic Swedish model and uh, healthcare system and all these things. Yes, I always find it uh, the hardest thing when people ask me when I'm overseas uh, that I can't explain about America, usually the two things are uh, the healthcare mm. and lack of it, or and uh, the guns. Exactly. Those are the two yeah. things I can't. It, it's hard to explain. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say after a while. That must have. Um, you must find that odd. Is what yeah. Especially. I mean, of course, you can. It's not so hard to understand the the historical reasons for the gun laws and things like that. But today, um, what I find surprising is that uh, there are so many, let's call it irrational arguments being used in the U.S. rather than being rational to see, okay, regardless of why we have the guns and regardless if it's uh, people who kill people or guns who kill people, the amount of guns we have in the U.S. and the amount of deaths due to guns compared to the European countries, 
there must be some sort of correlation, I would guess. <laughs> yeah. And that would lead to fewer guns, for example. So right. it, it's, there's much more uh, this polarization, I would say, and, and emotional polarization. Uh, that would be the big difference, I think. Well, growing up in Europe in the time you have, you're 45, so you've seen you know, pre-Berlin Wall, you know, yes. and pre the communist era fall in the USSR. And tell me what life you remember was like before that and then after those years. <laughs> I mean, have you, yeah, yeah, no. have you noticed a different change? I mean, Sweden was kind of the yes. same through it, but... Yeah, no, no, it, it, there's big, there is big changes. So what has happened on the, on the um, uh, macro level, I would say, is that Europe has become... Um, much more uh, reg deregulated. So m moving towards a freer market, we all the countries, if I generalize in Europe, had their state-owned uh, telecom operators, their state-owned railway operators, you know, all these kind of things, the utilities market. And today it's all uh, competitive, still dominated by some big ones, the, the sort of um, inheritors of the, of the old traditional systems. But there is a deregulated market in most of these traditional state-owned things, and that's a huge difference. So the, with the easy example for an American would be that when I grew up, we had two channels, yeah. period, and they were both state-owned. Uh, and we had uh, like five minutes of Woody Woodpecker on Saturday mornings at nine o'clock. That's when you had to be... So you had to wake up. Exactly, just to see some real cartoons, you know. <laughs> I was really, really sad. And then in the 80s with the VHS boom and all that, yeah. and then satellite TV, of course, invaded. And there was even a serious discussion in the politicians, uh, among the politicians in Sweden, that they were to uh, make it illegal to have satellite dishes because it, it got, uh, you know, commercial TV uh, and it would ruin the purity the of the mind. Yes, and yeah. the youth and all that. Awful. I mean, all that and, nasty music. Exactly, exactly. No, so, so that's the big difference, I would say, the, the deregulations, which means that we are, um, just as the US has become much more globalized. So in the US, we talked the other day, you see a lot more foreign cars nowadays in mm -hmm. the US is a typical one. Whereas we see the, you know, whatever happens in the US or in Asia, it affects us at the same time. Right. I mean, did, but you must have, was that culture clash between like your generation coming up and when all this stuff was happening, say MTV and then satellite television and all these other things, did your parents, were they worried about it? Did they? No, the other way around. They, they, I would say we were the generation that benefited from it, but they were the ones who had wanted it already. Yeah. Uh, so but what an opening up though. I mean, yes. yeah, and you were right at the most impressionable mm, age. Probably. Exactly. Yeah. So did that fuel like an interest in travel or uh, wanting to see more of the world, um, I think that no, I, no, I think it was more. No, I think it was more that the it was enabled um, mm -hmm. uh, with you know. Now, if I travel in Europe, I don't need my passport in all the countries. I, if, as long as I have an ID with me and things like that, and and generally, Sweden is lucky having a uh, having had a, a strong political voice, um, a positive voice in many countries around the world. So it's very easy to get a visa anywhere from the US to North Korea. So there's, right. you know, very few places, if any, where we wouldn't be allowed. It was a, you know, so, so in that sense, it's been easy. But I, I would say it was rather the enablement with cheaper flights and, you know, again, free market um, creates cost pressures and, and uh, efficiencies. So Denmark, uh, Norway, Sweden, I've used, you know, different money in each of them. They mm. still have, using yes. their own currencies. Yes. So when the euro came around in the 90s. Yes. 
Um, where was Sweden's position on that, and why did they? We had a, we had an election about it. That's yeah. so the um, majority of the politicians wanted us to join, and then there was some uh, I would say grassroots and some political parties against it, and there there was the, a big vote, and it, it was quite even. Can't mm-hmm. remember exact numbers, but it's like you know fifty seven. 43 or something like that, so mm-hmm. against it. So that's why we didn't join. Yeah. And in hindsight, of course, it's been good for us. Um, now Finland, uh, which is in the Nordics as well, they have the euro and they are suffering incredibly now from a underlying financial situation due to the euro covering from Finland down to Greece. Yeah. So all the, all the currency rates and all the, the uh, ECB packages to salvage Greece and, and the, the pigs' countries... You know, all that affects yeah. up to Finland. So that's a painful. I always find it interesting that no matter how much I look at it, I don't see where the benefit came to to countries like Germany and Finland. And so they look at money a completely different yeah. way than, say, the Greeks. Yes, or exactly. Or the Italians. And so what was the benefit? Just free labor and, and tariffs? Yeah, so, so you have free movement of um, people, products, and services. That's the fundament of right. the economic union. Well, I see how that benefits the poor yeah, nations. Yeah, no, yes, exactly. But it also benefits the, like, the export for Germany. So okay. what, what was the mistake was that they sort of closed their eyes and allowed these countries to enter, even though, you know, if you were a... a, a an economics person, you would know that the underlying economics were not right. So they let um, countries like Italy to go in, even though they were not meeting the expectations. Greece, on the other hand, as a government, was actually lying in those years. When they they joined, (laughs) they just said, these are the numbers, but they just created the statistics that were needed. Mm. So the idea was getting a better flow and use of their uh, export, I would say. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, labor and these kind of things. Well, we're just like today, I'm going to go on a one-hour flight to mm. Riga, Latvia, and there's ferries that go to Estonia from here and things like that. So growing up, when when the USSR was still controlling mm. those countries, what was it like here? Did you even go or could you no. go? Did... Well, we, we could go, but we didn't. So, I mean, me and my family, we never, I never went to East Germany or the Baltics during mm-hmm. the communist years. But there were a lot of people in the southern part of Sweden who went to Poland or went through East Germany to get to the south of Europe. So, of course, people travel or to Berlin, if, uh, West mm-hmm. Berlin. But, um, no, it, that was just, you know, the Cold War. We, it was always the, the, the Third World War was around the corner. And right. We didn't have the, <laughs> the atomic shelters in our houses like in the U.S. because <laughs> here the government took care of us. So we, the, the country is... You wouldn't believe it how many tens of thousands of atomic shelters there is everywhere. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and there's still the, the laws we have are still that you need to have shelters enough for the population. So it's typically when they build schools or public buildings and all that you have in the uh, in the basement. And if you live in a um, apartment building, uh, the basement, which is used, you know, for, for storage and all that, that's always built to be. Atomic proof. So oh. you could, if you just rip the crap out of it, you can live there for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so when it did open up, mm. do you remember going for the first time? And what did you think of it? What was it like? Uh, In this just, just, just like you expected. Poor, poor. Poor, uh, you know, these horrible build, you know, concrete buildings with, yeah. with no uh, artistic flavor at all. The Soviets weren't into uh, really... Uh, <laughs> they were more form over, or function over it's form. Function, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could say, like, I remember going through Croatia and you mm. see these all these old 
you know, beautiful old uh, Art Deco yes. buildings and uh, like Romanesque and all these things. And then right next to it, this concrete block right on the exactly. beach. Exactly, just like, a slab. I can yeah. tell when that was built. Yeah. And I yeah. know what era, you know, they put that up and just so hideous. Yeah, I remember um, Anne Christine, my wife and I, we went to uh, Czechoslovakia, as it was mm-hmm. called then, before they split up. And um, we had lunch somewhere there. Uh, you know, and I had a steak and... and Potatoes and a beer, and she had uh, basically the same steak and potatoes and a Coke. And that Coke cost more than all the other together and more than that. So that was like, oh, yes, that's right. That's right. expensive here. Yeah. <laughs> so what when you tell people who are coming to, let's bring back to travel, because yeah. of the travel. So when, when visitors come to Sweden, other than the capital, Stockholm, where we're at, mm. I don't have the time, or I would see more. What, what should I see um, I would say if you go to the north, you get the northern lights and you have this, the ice hotel that is built every year out of new mm-hmm. ice uh, and new design and all that. Uh, if you go to the west coast of Gothenburg, then you have uh, uh, old um, um, inscriptions in the rock uh, before the Vikings. So re- <laughs> really old inscriptions, which is protected by the World Heritage UN um, those kind of things. So there's a lot of these old Viking things uh, that actually are, you know, in the middle of the cities. If you know about them, they are just protected standing there because they... So those kind of things are, are good. So long winters, a lot of darkness. <laughs> yes. How do Swedes keep their spirits up during, historically, during these... Other than drinking... Okay, yeah, so, well, historically, I would say it was drinking. Right. Yeah, and nowadays, it's the the, uh, going somewhere warm and hot and drink, because Mm -hmm. it's also cheaper since the taxes are lower everywhere else in the world. Yes, drinking here is uh, expensive. Yes, and anything involving service, because the taxes on labor are very expensive. No, so typically, people take a week or two going to Egypt or Greece or Cyprus or, you know, Spain or something like that. That's a way of breaking the, the darkness and the... I almost found, you know, after going through this last week and a half of going through Denmark and, and Oslo and here, it's just everywhere you travel must seem dirtier and less safe. <laughs> you know, that must be difficult. Yeah, no, but it's the, it's the <laughs> contrast you seek, really, yes. So you, you you get surprised every time you get home and see that it is cleaner because I, I rarely think about it when I'm traveling, but when I get back home or traveling, you know, Having someone like you in the car and you're pointing out how clean everything yeah. is or how, oh, how much water we have in the city and these kind of things with yeah. the bridges and all that. So. And a lot of it runs on the, tr- uh, the honor system, yes. you know, like the, uh, the trains. Yes. You're supposed to scan your thing. I mean, there's gates at some of the train stops, but others yeah. you could just walk in. Exactly. Yeah. You could yeah. walk on and then they give your own self-scanner at the supermarket. Yeah, exactly. They, oh, yeah, exactly. They trust you to scan your own things while you're shopping. Exactly. There's a lot of trust there. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, but if people don't, I guess if people don't follow the rules, you know, then it, it breaks down. Yeah. So there's still an honor system amongst. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The Swedes. But there's also another one you reminded me of, which is actually in our constitution. So it's a very well protected since a long time, I don't know, 1500s or something, which is that you can go anywhere in the nature. Uh, and uh, you know, set up a tent and stay there. You don't have to ask any owner, or so it's free for anyone to just go out into nature and hike if you like right. anywhere. Then, of course, there are some rules you're expected to follow: not to break, you know, living branches or uh, start a fire and these kind of things. But literally, we have companies. We had some problems maybe 20 years ago. Companies 
uh, taking German tourists and saying, well, the forest is free, so let's just go, you know, 40 people and do some camping here because no one can stop us. And then, of course, the honor system was broken, so then they started pushing back on those. But still... Oh, Germans. Yeah. Those Germans ruined it again <laughs> for everyone. Breaking the rules. <laughs> Yet again. Yes. yes. Uh, so, like, growing up here, and you, you've seen... It was travel encouraged to most youth? Because I always say in America, it's not... Yeah, no, but I, you know, I would say yes, but it was typically you would go to England for a summer, you know, to learn English or uh, Germany or France. We we all study, of course, Swedish, uh, yeah. and then you have English as the first um, uh, foreign language, and then you choose another one. In my days, it was German or French. Now okay. it's German, French, Spanish, you know, a couple <laughs> others. Some schools have started with Chinese, but it's still in early days. So, yeah. so you were kind of encouraged to to uh, have that and if you couldn't have the means of you know being away uh, two weeks in in england like that but when you grew a bit older when you were 17 18 you would have a euro rail and just travel yes. around europe and that was also before the uh, iron curtain fell mm -hmm. so that was definitely yeah do you count uh danish or norwegian as uh like other languages that you know Almost, yes, yes, I would, yeah. yes, no, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so we call it that we speak Scandinavian. So yeah. I remove the odd Swedish words and I sneak in some Danish and Norwegian words and they do the same thing right. so everyone understands. That's a lot of the, that's another thing most US people wouldn't know that you, the languages are about 90% similar. Yeah, yeah. Especially in writing, it's, uh, it's quite mm -hmm. easy to understand. Oh, so you got it, you got it made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but you learn English from, what, the first grade or something? I would say, yeah, first or second grade nowadays, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then all our television and movies are subtitled, not dubbed. Maybe, of course, you know, Disney or something right, is dubbed, so. but otherwise it's, it's all subtitled. So you learn American English very quickly. That's why my, my sort of dialect is a half generic American, <laughs> British something. You can't really figure out where I'm from immediately. Right. Because I have some American expressions and I, I swear like an American, uh, <laughs> but I have some British words because I, well, I used to work there and these kind of things. Yeah. So I say elevator as an American, but... Uh, oh, lift when you're in England. Yes, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> those kind of things. I thought your daughter's accent sounded more uh, English. Oh, ah, interesting. Yeah. So she... she wants to sound english so she she's been protected <laughs> sound more intelligent well say, I, I don't, no, yeah, no no no, no. Okay, i don't I, I don't know why actually. i see what you're getting at. Yeah, exactly no oh. so everything she watches on you know on youtube and all that it's you know it's all american yeah. uh, so <laughs> it's probably just some minor rebellion against right, the right. mainstream american english is is do you is there a problem with uh uh what they call a brain drain of, of like young talent and young people leaving the country and it's hard is it hard to keep them in sweden and uh, start it, businesses and... it's an interesting question i would say yes and no so the 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 problem we have is that we have the talent and they often start companies and all that but then the companies are bought up so skype uh, a swede and a dutch but it was a swedish company uh, or a swedish organization spotify is a swedish company but they're actually based in the uk now in in practice um, the Minecraft was Microsoft and uh, the company that made Battlefield, EA, yeah. by, bought them. And so that's the bigger problem, I would say, that our companies are being acquired. Volvo Cars is Chinese. Um, <laughs> so, All that's left is IKEA. Exactly. IKEA, SKF and H&M. That's the, the mm -hmm. Sweden. And Volvo Trucks. Okay. 
Scania is another truck company. They were bought by Volkswagen. So that, that's the big, biggest problem. Then, of course, you know, well-educated people, yes, they go to the U.S. or, or China or, or somewhere else, but it's not that it's a problem. Our problem is rather that we have a problem attracting foreign talent. So if we want to keep uh, uh, R&D in the uh, pharmaceutical industry, which is big here, the problem is that they get taxed to death, so they have to make specific tax schemes where you're, you know, this is a. They pay you through. Yeah, the, this the is an ex- islands. Yeah, no, no, no. So it's <laughs> with the government. It's really, you know, this is an expert, so he should not or she should not pay any taxes. Okay, then it's only for four years. So they, the bureaucracy kills the that kind of thing, and then it's easy. It's just okay. Let's move the R and D to Denmark or mm-hmm. Manchester or Jersey or wherever. What do you think in terms of when you see? I know you follow. American politics a little bit because it's hard to get away from. Yeah. But when you see our electoral system and and the way the elections are run, I would say that's the third thing that is hard to explain for an American with these. uh, And the the cost, you know, why does it have to cost a billion dollars to to run for president? You know, it's it's um, it's very odd. So uh, we have, I think the the big thing is for you that you have landed with two parties, like in the UK, two Mm -hmm. dominant parties. We have seven dominant parties or let's say five dominant and two that are also always in the run and that gives it a bit more um, breadth i would say and, and width in the in the discussion and it's not at all the same focus on the person or the individual mm-hmm. because we don't have the presidency we have you know you vote for a party and in an ideal world they get a majority vote they yeah. they select their own ministers it's a parliamentary. Um, yes, exactly. So, so it's it's much less of a person focus. But of course, we have donations and all that. But it's transparent where the money comes from. So, yeah, um, I found that. It, and, and and again, I would just say also the American um, uh, constitutional right of uh, freedom of speech is so much stronger and uh, let's say. Uh, wider than the Swedish, at least, or I would say European interpretation. So you may think that, of course, we have freedom of speech, but it is still much more narrow. In, in, I mean, in the US, you can wear Nazi uniforms. That's illegal everywhere yeah. in Europe. I wouldn't recommend it. No, but still, that, that shows the difference of how much you can... In, you right. have Trump right now on television oh, saying yeah. stupid things, <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't end up in jail for that. Right. But, uh, so so you, it, that also... Any word here? He would definitely be tried, I would say, for some of the things. You mean the anti-immigrant yes, stuff? Yes, yes. Right. Well, this, I've noticed, especially in Stockholm, it, you know, it's probably a much more diverse place than it mm. was even 10 years ago. Yeah. How is, uh, I don't know, that's an issue. It's got to come up in politics, though. Yes. Yeah. No, of course, it's discussed and all that. But, you know, you, you can't call them, I, right. I, I can't quote him, but, you know, right. you wouldn't call them certain things and say that, you know, get out and but i'm sure there's much more nationalistic uh, parties out there who say build build yes, the wall but, and keep them out yes and... exactly yeah, yeah exactly but but either if you're a if you're an, a regular political party you stick within the you know mainstream conversation around it even if your yeah. your opinions may be stronger but you don't use the wrong words if you like and the rest are basically anonymous or underground you know um, mm-hmm. where you don't know who they are they have these anonymous chat web pages and these kind of things but i noticed when we went to the supermarket yesterday there was mm. the, you know a guy begging out front. yes exactly and you said that was very uncommon to see uh, just uh, a few years ago yes yeah. it's really sort of risen uh, and these... this is most of the, the romani or yes and from gypsies. romania we can't yeah. say gypsies or exactly the... yeah i can yes can, so. exactly um but this is a growing yes issue? but the discussion is like okay 
how do we care for them here as they as they come to Stockholm? How do we care for them if we take Stockholm as an example? Or how do we help them to get home? Do we pay their bus fare back because they have no money? Or do right. we try to force the Romanian government to sort of get them back? Or is it really illegal for them even to be here? So that's the discussion on sort of finding solutions rather than saying, you know, kick them out and, and throw the key away uh, mm-hmm. to the gate. Um, or do nothing and let them beg. And yes, exactly. The yes. But do you still provide them uh, a home or a shelter? Do they yes, get that? Yes. Oh, so, that's even more than... Yeah, yeah exactly. Them. And they get the uh, any emergency treatment and these kind of oh, things. Gosh, they, yeah. Yes, anyone gets for free. Even you, if you break your leg here. That's why I'm not too worried. <laughs> I might get some work done while yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna get my breast augmentation. <laughs> 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 what, uh, what, what is the biggest... When you went to uh, America, what was the biggest misconception people had about Sweden? Or what's the biggest stereotype, did you think? Other than this, the Muppet chef. Yeah, no, no, I would say there are two things. One is the, the, they confuse Sweden and Switzerland. Yeah, that's okay. one. Oh, that's so bad. Uh, or they may you know, think Sweden, but they talk about cuckoo clocks and chocolate, which okay, is Switzerland. Switzerland like, yeah, so sure, either they yeah. mix up the words or what it is. And I, I would say that's one of the biggest. And then the other one is... You know, but, but well, people are relatively informed now that some, you know, do you have polar bears in the street? But it's not that common. Um, most people sort of immediately think IKEA or something oh, like that. Oh, sure. IKEA, H&M, that kind and of thing. And tall blondes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> tall blondes. Your greatest export. Yeah. And there's been a number of, you know, certain athletes. and. Oh, yes. And, and one of the Bjorn things... Bjornborg. Yes, exactly. Bjornborg, yeah. And, and, um, and ABBA. Of one, course, one ABBA. Of the, one of the th- yes, ABBA. And um, uh, nowadays it's Avicii and Robin and Slatan Ibrahimovic, if mm-hmm. you're into what you call soccer. Football, we call football, sure. Yeah. Uh, but I just remembered um, another thing of the U.S. One thing I learned in the U.S. that I hadn't heard about outside was the Swedish bikini team. Oh, yeah. I had no that idea. That, that beer marketing. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a real thing to 99% of the Americans. They believe it exists. <laughs> and it was like, so that is something I learned in the U.S. Oh, so of course, terrible. every time we go to the U.S., we promote that. Yeah, of yes. course. Our daughter has tried out for the Swedish bikini team. And, you know, <laughs> they, they've said that we'll come back to her and these kind of things. Of course. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, where do you see the uh, Europe headed in the next, say, 10, 20 years in terms of the euro and immigration and everything like that? Yeah. Because I, the birth rate is low. Do, are they, yeah. Is there something that they try to promote uh, normal or yeah, native with, Swedes yeah, to yeah, have yeah. more children? Or yeah, that, you're having fewer not, fewer, not, right? yeah, not through campaigns or things like that. But you get, uh, of course, you get a government grant uh, when, you have a, when you have children. Up until they're 18, you get a certain amount, um, uh, well, more than $100 a month for your kid to make sure that you can support them. Really? Regardless of income. Up until 18. Yeah. And then, then they continue that and give it to your kid instead because they're grown-ups. As, until... long, as long as they stay in school. So that's, you know, okay. so that's the, the incentive. So as long as our daughter stays in high school, she gets that money. Um, and so if then she goes it... to the U.S., you lose it. Uh, yes, I would say so. Unless, oh. unless she probably fills out some bureaucratic form and says, I'm going to the U.S. to mo- do some studies. And if she does the right, so you think she goes to university in the U.S., she would get this U.S. Uh, Swedish oh, okay. grant and all that. But going to, a, let's say, a, a school to learn a profession, they would like say, well, you're on, your, yeah, you're on your own, exactly. Oh. But my point was that if you have three kids, then you get more money for the third kid. So you have these 
sort of hidden incentives to have more. Yes, exactly. But it's not like you know on the wall, get more kids and grow the country. Well, this is the, well, this is the this another thing that the right one uses to you know well these. You know, Muslims come here and they have eight kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, most Europeans have one or two. Exactly. And, so, you know, and me personally, I say, great, that's more people who can work and actually do the things that we don't want to do because we're, we're too well fed <laughs> off not doing anything, you know, playing the Xbox and, and saying, ah, <laughs> not good enough for me. Or, ah, far away, too far away. I don't want to move. Yeah. Well, I mean, diversity is really kind of a new Thing yes, around yes, up it's here. incredibly we're, we're, homogenous we're here. It. Yeah, and it's incredible. That, that's the biggest difference, I would say, looking at uh, Sweden and the US, regardless of where. Even though, of course, you have your, you know, look at Burbank. Uh, mm-hmm. You have the different areas, if you like, between Burbank or, or San Fernando or Silmar and these mm-hmm. kind of things. But still, it's so much more... Um, integrated and mixed up if you just drive along Sherman Oaks or whatever you know you have the the mix of all these things mm-hmm. uh, whereas here it's all just tall blonde people and forests I'm sure you would agree <laughs> and um, I would very always homogenous. be disappointed mm. to not see that when yeah. I come here you know yeah. what I mean I yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. Yes. if I came to Sweden and saw no big tall blonde people mm. I'd be like oh I feel like I got ripped off it was like when my uh, friend from Spain came to visit me in uh, in L.A. and all she heard was Spanish spoken English. Yeah. She's like, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't come to America to, to see. I thought, oh, isn't that easy for you to get mm-hmm. around? She goes, oh, I wanted, I didn't want to hear Spanish everywhere I went, and she wanted that, uh, you know, U.S. she saw on Friends or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, Friends, the one show about New York where there's not yep. one uh, non-white person in it. Exactly, that's reality right yeah. there. Um, so when you go to the U.S., what was the was there one thing you really wanted to see or try out the first time you went? How old were you? First time I was twelve years old. Okay. So that was. Did you go to Disneyland or something? Uh, Disney World. Disney World. Yes, yeah. yeah, Disney Orlando, World and Epcot Center. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So that that was good, and also the uh, cable TV, <laughs> two hundred channels. Oh you know, God. yes, that was heaven. <laughs> I never left the basement of that house of Jim Newman's. <laughs> oh, yeah, really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. No, no, that was fantastic. <laughs> um, and uh, and of course uh, the American food. It's so fantastic. I remember. <laughs> still, we love to just you know. Tick off the list of all the junk food places. The junk food. I yeah, love how yeah. you say one of your favorite places is IHOP. Yes, IHOP. And... <laughs> You're turning it into an actual international house. Yes, exactly. House of pancakes. That's very funny. So what, uh, in, in terms of what you see from the outside uh, about America or something, what, were the, what would be the first changes you would make? If you were yeah, I, king I, of the world. Yeah, exactly. I, for the U.S., I would definitely change the, the uh, let's say, trade politics rather than, well, trade regulations. There's a lot of this, you know, we need to, to have uh, import uh, uh, levies against China and these kind of things. So it, it's, the U.S. is, is kind of um, um, slowing down its own progression by protecting against the changes outside i would say that's one thing and the other one is of course i would kill off the paper checks it's like <laughs> you invented the credit cards I why don't you use them and not this is a, a cashless number yeah, on my chip. exactly i didn't need cash this entire time no i mean here. in reality i here in sweden when, when i live here i maybe i have i handle five hundred dollars per year in cash or something like that the rest right. is all electronic um, on credit cards or electronic invoicing and the salary goes straight into my bank and my i mm-hmm. pay my bills through there and 
that's that, there's a lot of these inefficiencies that is basically a lot of things in the US is stuck in the 50s. <laughs> you know, hi honey, I'm home kind of mentality right. in some of these things. <laughs> yeah. um, Do you think we're uh, overly religious? I know I do. Well, well for, be, uh, for being a Swede, of course, because we are overly secularized. Yeah, but I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's part of this. As I said, there's a lot of irrational argumentation about things. And mm -hmm. uh, so what I would say, what I, on one way, fascinate, is fascinated by are these, the, the uh, pastors and, you know, TV evangelists and all that. Yeah. I, I can just, you know dive into that and feel like I'm <laughs> swimming in a warm pool of, of weirdness. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very sad how they really, you know, drag the pe money, money out of people, people and, yeah. and have them work and, you know, give their 10% of their income and these kind of things. Well, so, yeah, that's a big difference. Leader of Sweden, what, what changes would you make? Uh, ah, that's a good one. Uh, I would uh, strengthen the uh, the freedom of speech to broaden the, the debate, if you like, so to get a little bit more highs and lows, if you like, to, to get some more uh, dynamics in, in the development. Um, and I would uh, definitely um, make the uh, public sector smaller, so less fun, so make the, the, the old Swedish model smaller, if you like, because it's all fine and dandy with, with free healthcare and all that. But free healthcare also means that uh, if you don't buy an extra insurance, you still have to wait. In one part of the country, you can get a, a, an important surgery within maybe three months, but in another, you have to wait nine months. And now, you always have to do legal battles saying that, okay, this surgery cannot be made in Sweden, so I want to go to Germany to do it because it's within the EU. And then the governments, the, the local government says, no, 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 no. And then finally, the real government or the, the court say, yes, of course, you have the right of this surgery, and if they can't provide it, they will have to pay your surgery in Germany. You know, taking away these uh, small break down these small kingdoms, if you like, of, of people <laughs> not understanding that we're actually within an open economy, like the US really is a, you know, crossing a state border. When I grew up, it was always like if someone made a crime in a state, they could just cross the border and they were free. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, reality doesn't work that way right. in, in the US. And in Europe, there's still people in Sweden who believe that, you know, I decide this. It's not your choice. I know better than you. That's mm -hmm. a, that's very annoying when they pat you on your head. Now, do you still... You had to serve in the, in the army, yes. right? Yes. When I did, it was still mandatory. And it's not... When did that no, stop? Um, when sure. the USSR broke? Oh, I, yeah, but basically... Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, so that's when they started um, making it smaller. And it was, you know, if you just said, I don't want to, they just dropped you. Mm -hmm. And now the system, maybe eight years ago, they changed it. So it's actually a, a standing army of... of uh, well. You're not supposed to call them mercs, but, you know, hired people. And now the problem they have is that they're not attracting enough people to hire the amount that they're expected to have standing. So now they start talking about making it mandatory again. But if they do, it will take a couple of years because of the mm -hmm. Russian attitude and, and the situation in Ukraine and all these kind of right. things. So finally, what do you think all of your travel? How has it changed your way of life or how does it change the way you view the world? And how has it changed you as a person, maybe? Well, I would say what it's changed most with regards to views is the view on Sweden, Nordics, you know, growing up and all that, that there are so many ways to skin a cat and none is better than the other, it's just different. So I would say that's the big thing of being much more, uh, humble might be the wrong word, but being much more open to that, you know, 
the Swedish model or the US model, they have their pros and cons, both of them, but actually there's an Indian system as well or a South African. So I would say that, that kind of tolerance or understanding that you can do other things. Uh, and then I've become, me myself, I've become much softer over the years. So <laughs> We all have, yes, I think. Uh, yeah, that's physically, might not be the traveling then, and, yeah. 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 Emotionally, yeah, emotionally. Yeah, emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mean tolerant? Do you mean? No, I mean, I mean feeling sorry for people, wanting to embetter oh, okay. uh, the situation sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I could be, when I was younger, it was you know much more kind of Darwinistic, yes. coming from this secular society. Mm -hmm. And finally, did they, growing up in the 70s and 80s, did they uh, sing lullabies to you, uh, ABBA songs? <laughs> of course. Was, was those your nursery rhymes? Exactly. Every every morning in school, instead of the you know yeah, anthem, pledge of allegiance. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. You have to sing Waterloo or something. Yeah, and learn <laughs> learn a new text every day. Well, thank you for uh, letting me stay here, and uh, all your you are a wonderful host. Thank you so much. And if much. you ever uh, come to US, if you don't want to stay with Jim, <laughs> you can stay with me. Excellent. He has many people staying yeah. in his house anyway, so I may have more room for you if, if you Perfect. need. Perfect. All, right. All right. And now we have it on tape. Yes, yeah, so it, it's. Uh, I've committed to it. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas. Thank you.